You're listening to Revolutionizing School Leadership Through Research, sponsored by the Wallace Foundation. School leadership is second only to teaching among school-related factors and its impact on student learning. And school leader preparation programs play a key role in facilitating that success. As the leading voice in educator preparation, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, with support from the Wallace Foundation, engages higher education and PK-12 partners in research, professional development opportunities, and collaborative initiatives focused on strengthening the quality and effectiveness of principal preparation programs. This new podcast series, which highlights cutting-edge research from the Wallace Foundation's Knowledge Center on School Leadership, is one of those collaborative initiatives. In our first episode, we hear from the lead author of the Wallace Commission Report, How Principles Affect Students in Schools, a systematic synthesis of two decades of research. Released in February 2021, this report summarizes the connection between school leadership and school outcomes, as evidenced by research advances that haven't been properly synthesized since 2004. Lead author Jason Grissom, a Patricia and Rhodes Hart Professor of Public Policy and Education at Vanderbilt University's Peabody College, walks us through the major landscape shifts in the past 20 years with key insights into how prep programs can be effective, equitable leaders. I'm Jason Grissom. I'm the Patricia and Rhodes Hart Professor of Public Policy and Education at Peabody College at Vanderbilt University. This was a report that was co-authored with Anna Egalite, who is a professor at NC State University, and Constance Lindsay, who is on the faculty at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And so what the Wallace Foundation was interested in is taking stock again. So what have we learned since the year 2000? What do we know about school principals? What do we know about the connection between school principals and student and, and other school outcomes? We wanted to do a lot of things with the report. We wanted to document what changes in the actual school leadership workforce looked like over the last 20 or 30 years. We wanted to assess what's different about the policy landscape of school leadership. There's also been changes in the research landscape and the studies that people are able to do in 2021 are pretty different than the studies that people were able to do in 2000 because we have new data and we have new statistical methods. We wanted to dig into that new body of work and see, is it telling us something different than what we thought we knew in 2000? And then based on what we learned, can those learnings give us some new direction? I think one of the challenges then is that the expectations for what school leaders do has just been ratcheted up. A lot of demands, a lot of demands. And I think we have designed the school principalship as a result. I don't know that we've designed it, but what, uh, design is probably the, not the right word. But the way it has shaken out is that we have expectations for a position that require a superhuman. The diversity of tasks that uh, school leaders are called on to engage in on a daily basis are just phenomenal and constantly changing. That's part of what we were trying to accomplish by saying, well, can we can we help with focus by looking at the best available research and synthesizing that and figure out like what is that research telling us about where principals need to focus? And so before I get to that, the other big finding is that it really matters what principals are doing because what we document is that the impacts of having an effective principal on a school are enormous. The difference between having a principal at the 25th percentile and the 75th percentile in terms of their ability to be able to impact student achievement is the difference in 
three months of learning for the typical kid in that school. It's big. I think it's really important that principals have that guidance to know where they need to focus their attention in order to ensure that they can be successful. It's first helpful to identify the types of skills that principals need in order to be effective and successful in their roles, as they're outlined in the report. Jason summarizes them for us. We identify three broad classes of skills that principals need, and that those three broad classes of skills support four domains of effective practice or behaviors that principals need to focus on to be successful. So the three broad classes of skills are People skills, so skills around relationship building, caring, human development. Instructional skills, so skills that principals need to be able to engage in instruction and what we have often thought of as instructional leadership in their schools, although we tweak that idea a little bit in the report. And then skills for the organization, so management skills, other kinds of skills that a person needs to lead a complex organization, school or otherwise. So those three sets of skills, which are overlapping and fairly broad, support these four domains of four domains of practice that are most clearly linked to positive school outcomes. So one of those is instructional engagement with teachers. So this is teacher observation, feedback, connecting what you observe in a classroom to professional learning, being able to use data uh, to support teachers' instruction. That's one area. The second is building a productive climate in the school that's marked by good relationships among staff, students, and families, where people trust one another, where people have a collective sense of efficacy, where there's good communication. The third is collaboration and professional learning community, and that is putting structures in place that allow teachers and encourage teachers to collaborate authentically to improve their practice and to focus on student outcomes. And then the fourth one is strategic management. So thinking strategically about resources of various types and how those resources can be used to pursue school goals. And so what we find is that where principals are consistently focusing their practice in these four areas are where you get schools where student outcomes like achievement, but also other things are more positive. Now that we understand the updated requirements for an effective principal, we have to ask the question, what would prevent one from achieving the skills and disposition to be effective and stay effective as a school leader? What are the barriers? Jason indicates three of the primary barriers or challenges, time management, unclear expectations between the school and district, and in some, though not all circumstances, competency and instructional engagement. Given that these barriers are fairly widespread, What improvements or changes need to be made in order to better support principals facing these challenges? Jason indicates the two primary streams to help principals is through preparation and policy. Let's start with preparation. Preparation varies really widely, right? There are expectations for programs, there are standards. Those standards can, you know, they vary by state, but Within a state, you know, usually the expectations for what a program is supposed to teach or prepare leaders to be able to do, those are usually consistent. And yet we still see that what's actually happening on the ground from program to program can be pretty different, which could be for a variety of reasons. Sort of like how I think the principalship has unclear expectations. I think many 
preparation programs also face unclear expectations in the sense that if it's not clear exactly what you are preparing a principal to know and be able to do, then it's difficult for you to know in the scarce amount of time that you have to prepare someone How should the coursework be focused? How should the other kinds of co-curricular learning experiences that that support that coursework, how should those be structured? What should those be focused on to help build the right set of tools for the person to go into the principal's office? And I think one of the arguments that we make in the report is, okay, programs cannot do everything and they have scarce resources and time and they will likely be more effective if they focus on the skills and the domains of behavior that research suggests are most clearly linked to positive outcomes. I think many programs don't focus on strategic management. In some cases, principals don't get practical advice about how to budget or how to think about personnel management, how to hire effectively, how to look at data and use that data to think about teacher placement or teacher retention decisions. And I think there could be big gains by helping principals to think more strategically about management of personnel, management of budget, as one example. Similarly, on the instructional engagement front, I think that programs over time have shifted towards being instructional leadership focused. My read of the evidence that we present in the report is that you get further by having a more specific definition of what instructional engagement looks like, which is one that is very focused on teacher improvement, that's very focused on what's the information that you have available to you through teacher observation, through looking at students' data and so forth that can tell you what teachers excel at and also what teachers need to improve at and to put structures and processes and feedback opportunities in place to support teachers to both reinforce what they're doing well and to improve in the areas that they they need to improve in. Another key aspect of the report focuses on how principals must develop an equity lens. Jason helps draw connections between equity and the four domains he mentioned previously, instructional engagement, building a productive school climate, collaboration and professional learning, and strategic management. The demographics of students are shifting really dramatically by race, ethnicity, for example. More kids are receiving special education services now than in the past. We have a higher number of English language learners. We have actually more kids living in poverty than we had 20 years ago. That both has increased the demands on principals. We are more conscious of the differences in outcomes among these kinds of historically marginalized groups and other kids within school districts and recognize now the imperative that that creates for school leaders to address those differences. We're conscious of these differences and probably more acutely than at any time in history. So what we argue in the report, yes, is that leaders need to approach leadership work with an equity lens and that each of these four domains of behavior that we highlight can be refracted through that lens to not only to connect those domains of behavior to sort of better outcomes on average, but also they can be enacted in a way that's designed to ameliorate disparities among groups within a school. We've historically thought about that maybe as as primarily being about climate. And there certainly are ways that thinking about climate and relationships can have a real clear equity dimension. A leader focused on building a productive climate is going to be trying to, for example, involve families in the life of a school. An equity-focused leader who's trying to build a productive climate 
is going to be attentive to involving all families in the life of the school. Make the extra effort to reach out to families whose work circumstances might make it difficult for them to be able to come to the PTO meeting at 630 on a Wednesday night, but try to find other ways to engage and involve them, recognizing that parental involvement is important for people's ownership and supports for kids to be able to perform at a high level. But you can also see how an equity lens can show up in these other domains as well. So, for example, when a principal is engaging instructionally with a teacher, looking at data from a teacher's classroom to think about where a teacher might need to focus, that principal might be looking at differences between, say, kids who are free and reduced price lunch eligible and kids who are not, and thinking about are there ways that the teacher can tailor their instructional strategies to ensure that that teacher is supporting kids from low-income backgrounds. Or in conducting teacher observation is attentive to, well, oh yeah, the teacher is engaging kids in this classroom, but is the teacher engaging all kids? Are there some kids who have specific qualities like persistently low achieving kids or English language learners in the room who are not being engaged at the same level? Okay, so that that is approaching the instructional engagement work through an equity lens. When we're facilitating collaboration and professional learning community, are we encouraging teachers to work together around not only trying to pursue higher outcomes for kids, but also to try to close gaps among kids. So let me give you a a real specific example of that. I think a big missed area for many principals to think strategically is in teacher placement, meaning the ways that kids are assigned to particular teachers in the school. A principal who's thinking about personnel management through an equity lens is asking questions of the data in their school, like, do the kids in my school who are free and reduced price lunch eligible have the same access to high quality experienced teachers as kids who are not free and reduced price lunch eligible? And what we know is that in the typical school, the answer to that question is no, because we tend to ability group kids and there might be reasons to track kids. That is a strategy that some schools find to be successful. The, cha- the problem that we have is that when we tier kids on the basis of achievement, say we have three second grades and we put the higher achieving kids in one, gra- in one classroom and the middle kids in another classroom and the lower achieving kids in the third classroom, that what we also tend to do is give that third classroom the least experienced teacher or the teacher that doesn't get evaluation ratings that are as high. In high schools, right, very often the best, the quote unquote best teachers are teaching calculus. They are not teaching ninth grade remedial math. Etc. It doesn't mean that there aren't good reasons to do that, but that an equity-focused leader is not just reflexively making those placement decisions, but is asking, are there different decisions that we can make, different strategic decisions that we could make with personnel that would pursue an equity agenda that might produce outcomes that are different than the ones that this school has always gotten? These are not easy issues, right? And you are operating in the system that you have, not the system that you would like. And so I think the first step, though, is to develop the mindset, right, to develop recognition among leaders that equity is an important goal and it's an important goal for the school. And I think in in pre-service practice and in in in-service professional learning opportunities, we can, if we have equity as a goal, we can focus on strategies that can help us get there. I think it begins it with mindset and recognition, recognition that this is this is my responsibility. And sometimes I'm going to have to push against the waves a little bit in pursuit of equity because I think it's important. In closing, 
Jason shares a few summarizing thoughts. Leadership is so important. We need more structures and we need a policy focus. We need real attention collectively on ensuring that regardless of background, that every kid can attend a school that is led by a high quality principal. And for people who might be listening, who are involved with preparation specifically, I think one of the pieces of guidance that we're trying to provide is you can't prepare a person for everything, but you're going to get further by focusing offerings on the areas that research links to more positive outcomes. Thanks for joining us for this series on the University Principal Preparation Initiative. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who cares deeply about the future of education. So if you're interested in learning more about the work that the Wallace Foundation is doing to improve school leadership, you can visit our website at www.wallacefoundation.org and click on the Knowledge Center tab, where you'll find more resources about school leadership. We hope you'll join us again.